man who put Clanfer PG on the map for Wales. He's flirted with the wrestler Adrian Street, and he'll make a song about anything. From Wirral, Merseyside, UK, meet and greet Don Woods. So a very good day, everybody. Welcome to the 23rd of August with the year rapidly, rapidly flying along. Uh, I've just been up into the north of Spain and I will be telling Don of the things that um, I've been doing. And uh, obviously, um, let's find out how Don is as we go across the mountains. All fictional, of course, but we would have to do it if we wanted to see each other face to face. So across um, the Spanish Mercedes, I drove yesterday from Bilbao all the way down to the Valencia region, which is right across the length of Spain. So looking down from the plane, I know exactly where we would be going. Let's go across uh, coming in via Wales, uh, because there's a place called Bedgellet we will be talking about later today. That comes into play later, but let's find out first of all. Boridar Sadaki, Mayanoa. Good morning to you, Don. It's a bit on the hot side, isn't it? All right there, whack. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know uh, you're Welsh, see. I thought I'd uh, yeah. drop a little bit of Welsh in for you. You know, you probably didn't understand it, not being a Welsh speaker, but, uh, you know. I understand Welsh, but I didn't know what you said. I said, Boridar <laughs> Sadaki, Mayanoa. Sounds Japanese to me. Anyway, the uh, yeah, no more. It's not. It's it's cool here. It's all right. It's cooled down. We're not suffering with the heat again. You know. It's and, funny. Uh, it's funny. We we've been up to the French Basque Country, and uh, they're a little bit similar to uh, those that have Welsh heritage. Uh, not naming anybody in particular, but you do know one of these said people. Um, and basically, the French Basque are so proud. They've got uh, all the Basque flags everywhere. You know, they tell everybody of their heritage. And then you say a couple of words of Basque to them and they haven't got a clue what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Anyway. Yeah. I've never been up that end of Spain. Well, I've, it, I've, I've never been to France, actually. One well, of the few places I haven't been. Well, what is beautiful is that the uh, north of Spain is the strength of the Basque country because uh, they have the industry round Bilbao. And as you move across towards the Pyrenees, uh, you're going more and more like tourism, really. And then you go into this uh, part of France where it's the Basque country. And it really is a very big tourist area. You know, it was around Biarritz and then further inland. I went to see... Uh, a wonderful cathedral at Bayonne. It's the most fabulous building I've ever seen. It must be on a par with uh, other things in Rome and other great cathedrals. Absolutely amazing. But uh, I also went to a little um, a little place up in the north of Spain. Uh, there are two. There's one called Garabandel, and this one I went to is called Umbe. And there uh, are stories of the Virgin Mary appearing to children, just like Lourdes and Fatima and all these other places. Uh, so I wanted to go and see it for myself, you know, which um, which made the, the trip very, very interesting for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's nice if you've got things to do when you get there. 
Well, you, you haven't been to Rome. You haven't been to Rome, have you? Uh, that's on the agenda. So that's something I'll that uh, could well be happening. You know. Gotta go to Rome. Rome. Rome will blow you away. It's best place. It's the best place I've ever been. It's fantastic. You know, my, it really is. My son's told me that, and um, he's all for me going. You know, so it's nice when you've got when you've got somebody who's sort of um, making you want to go. He was telling me yeah. how wonderful it is. Everybody should go to Rome in their life. It's fantastic. It's it's fan. It just blows you away. You know, it's it's great. You know. All right, Don. Well, look. Um, the news has done a U-turn. What is this all yeah. about? Well, they've been frightening us for weeks now. We're going to fry or die of thirst in this two-day heat wave, which went away and came back for four days. We're going to die. We're going to fry. It's done a U-turn now because it's been bucketing down with rain. So now we're not going to fry. We're going to drown. Uh, it's you know we're going to drown. That's it. The water's piling in, and it'll, it'll just all get. All the water will wash through the towns, as it's doing. Cars are getting stuck, uh, and then the, the the water will all drain into the sea, and then we'll be back to um, a drought again. I just don't get it, mate. You wouldn't mind if they gave it. You they they picked the worst places to frighten you. That's all that all the news do. Scaremongering all the time, and you just get sick of it, you know. That that's the problem. So we're not going to fry now, mate. We're going to we're, we're having floods now. Well, so there you go. And and even though there's a hosepipe ban, we're having floods. So there <laughs> you go. Well, people like you and I, we remember the summer of 1976, for example. We probably remember the winters of the 1960s. So we do know that there is always the likelihood of change and our history and knowledge of things like dinosaurs and, you know, the way that uh, we're, we've been growing up and being told that this all happens. It seems as if that's the one thing that they ignored, the fact that it happens and um, I remember, you know, we had the Minister for Drought, Dennis Howells, and uh, the, the football referee. And um, I remember actually playing some good golf with my dad in 1976 on places like um, Brackenwood Golf Course, not that far from where you live. So, yeah. you know, yeah. and the, the thing while all this is going on, and you're right, they are scaremongering because you still see people with masks on who basically are still terrified of all the news that they've had over the last two years. Um, but what really bugs me more than anything is when you look and see how much water exists, you know, having been to the uh, north coast of Spain and the south coast of France and seen massive great waves rolling in. And yet, where are they trying to find out how to use the water to give people water, drinking water and water that can go on the crops and fight the fires and the things like that? No, they're still sending rockets to the moon and building um, weapons of mass destruction. Somebody needs really taken to task because this has been going on all my lifetime and yours. And yet you, we've put up with it, haven't we? Well, yeah, they're selling this rocket to the moon. What is the point? I, I don't see the point of it. You know, people say, oh, well, it's, it, it's, it's, it's important, you know, that we, 
I don't see the point. Let's get sorted out down here. God knows what the news would be like when the Ice Age happened. You see, it's not so much the scaremongering. I don't take any notice. It's pathetic because you can see it's all set up, you know, and, and half of them, I'm sure the people they interview are, are actors half the time. Well, did you know, but, Don, I'm glad you said that because I didn't know this. There's actually websites that ask for actors that can act the news. And then yeah. that when they have this crisis reporting, they have people who are actually actors doing it. Yeah. It's, you see, the, what they don't take into account is people, there's a lot of people who are vulnerable, you know, elderly people who, who you know, you know they, they fall for this. And, and it, it just, they just spend their life worrying about everything because of the news. You know, they, they just give you the, the blanket news. It, you know, there's going to be a hosepipe ban and there's going to be floods. They don't say, but don't worry you know, because they don't say that bit. They just give you the and, and you know, and the the next the prices are going up and the price of energy. You know, we're not going to be able to warm the houses. You're going to be freeze. You know, it's pathetic. It'll be sorted out because they're not going to. They're not going to. We're not going to sit here with no with no heating. You know, it'll be sorted eventually. Well, well I, I I read yesterday that you had a delivery of gas from Australia in the UK. Oh, I didn't see that. First time, first time for donkey's years that, that it's happened. And, uh, you know, I mean, look, the more that you look at things and, as you say, you know, sending rockets to the moon, you're not going to find much water up there, are you, for, for starters? Well, you know, I don't but, see the point. Well, you only have to look outside, uh, you know, any, any coastline and you've got 70% of the, the planet is water. Animals, whales, dolphins, mammals, all sorts of things live in it. And yet we can't even find out how to use it. It's bonkers. And, you well, know... You, you see, you've got here, we've got the River Dee, which flows on the western side of the Whittle Peninsula. The River Dee comes from Bala Lake. It's a river. It builds up as it comes along. I mean, why not use that? In hose pipes, it's the the hose pipe ban. The water's there, you know. It's fresh water. The River Dee comes down, then it goes into the sea, you know. And the River Dee's miles long. Uh, you know, it's just it's just stupid. It's a, I don't think they're capable of thinking it out. Well, Don, you know, makes you makes could, you wonder what the what it's going to be like in another ten years. Could could we substitute stupid as uh, stupid uh, uh, for maybe cunning? Contriving, you know, something has been happening the last couple of years. I, I have, you know, you know, I'm suspicious. Of course, I am. Uh, but there's more to this than meets the eye. Don, come on, you know as well as I do. We didn't have people all walking around in masks. Uh, people terrified of, um, you know, the things that they're now trying to terrify us of. They found new ways to use the propaganda that was used by the Nazis during the war. That's what's going on. And you know, unfortunately, um, yeah, some of us are older and we'll die, and they'll get their way. So you know. The people who basically are planning all this will get their way. The only thing is they're they're so really they're so stupid they don't realise they're going to die. It doesn't matter what they do to other people; they'll still die. They're not going to be able to stop doing that. Yeah, yeah. 
well, whatever, you know, but you see, it doesn't affect me as I keep saying as such, you know, it's, 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 I just watch the news and it's pathetic. You know, there's too much news. That's the trouble. You just need half an hour with someone sitting behind a desk. But it's like it's like showbiz now. The news—it's pathetic, you know. I, I don't. Well, I don't. I can't say much. I don't watch it. I just read the the headlines at the side, you know. Yeah, that's what I do. I I, I do look at the headlines. I do look at things to see, you know, what's going on. Um, then I use me. What I would try to use is my intelligence to decide what is important to me, uh, what is important for other people to know. Uh, yes. Don, you know, this is why I keep barking on about these things that uh, are important. You know, I, I do honestly think that they are keeping lots of things away from the general public and they're trying to make a nice little planet just for themselves, but they don't really know that they haven't found the way to actually prolong their own lives. So while they're all getting a bit older, they're, they're so stupid that they're making it so that they're going to die anyway, you know, so, you know. Yeah, what yeah. Can, what can... it's 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 just the it's it's the it's like what we're going to talk about next strikes, you know the buses are on strike, the trains are on strike, the dockers are on strike, and now the barristers are on strike. Barristers, I mean, for goodness' sake, that's got to be once you're qualified as a barrister, got to be the easiest job in the world because you get paid whether you win or you lose the case. You know, so lock your doors now. There's no, there's no cases going to court. So you know, I mean, these people going on strike, they're like the the, the gang warfare, isn't it? It, it? To me, they don't. There's no compassion with the rest of the human race. You know, trains go on strike. They're not affecting. They're affecting the public, who have put who are paying their wages anyway. You know, and uh, but the problem is with it, the main bosses get all the money. You know, there's too much money going one way. That that's what they're moaning about. But in everything, I mean, barristers going on strike. It should be illegal for barristers to go on strike. That sounds like a pun, doesn't it? Should be illegal, really. You know, because the police can't go on strike, can they? You know, barristers are important to get cases into court, but they oh, no, we're not getting enough money. And they were moaning, and, and someone said, well, they get paid well, don't they? Oh, not in the early days. You know, the, the, the young barristers who, who have just qualified are on a little bit more than 12000 a year. Well, you know, they'll, they'll eventually get, get stacks of money like they do and live in their big mansions. You know, it's pathetic. There's no sort of, you know, we're all one minute, we're all, Joining together and clapping the going outside and at eight o'clock in the evening, clapping the uh, <coughs> NHS, you know, we're all, we're all joined together. And as soon as this COVID thing's over, I'll go back to normal again. Everyone, everyone for himself, you know, but the, the strikes. We talk, we talk about the sheep. Look, Don, I've studied in a different, totally different way to yourself and your life, etc., etc., which is why I see things differently. This was always going to try again from what happened during the 70s and then again in the 80s. The communists have never gone away. Your Jeremy Corbyn's, people like him, have 
got into little sort of they got into little niche parts where they think they can affect everybody and so now is the time to try it again Russia and China are behind practically everything that's going on and the unions get good money from Russia and from China and the leaders of the unions are the people who get most of that money and therefore they then tell the main members we're all going out on strike we're going to paralyze the country that's how we're going to cripple Britain we've tried it with Boris at the other end and now we're going to try it with all the workers that's how I see it and that's from studying um, many years on things that I'd never known about so I understand why maybe you don't see the same things as me because I'd never even heard of sociology when I started doing all this and uh, I went to Carl at Park I did an A-level in sociology and then I did uh, British and um, European political history um, I did that at the Tech College and basically you see things differently once you've studied and you know it's like if somebody tried to tell you about weights and measures immediately you'd say hang on hang on hang on I know about weights and measures therefore I am going to tell you what I know is right it's a bit it's uh, just one of those things but uh, we then uh, were interrupted by um, what should we say circumstances keep it nice and loose and I can tell you that um, we went on to talk about certain things like the bikes and how idiots can't be traced. Electric bikes being ridden at 30 miles per hour despite a five mile per hour limit. And the Lycra boys think they own the road, says Don. The answer is simple. Make them require a license like other motorists. Or is that too obvious? And I told Don about the um, uh, the news in Barcelona where a car driver has got so exasperated he drove his car at a group of cyclists and has killed two cyclists. So I'll be discussing that with Terry on um, Thursday. Um, now, we have a lot of things that we were talking about and um, amongst those were donkey rides and... Don was telling me that we've seen the last of donkey rides in New Brighton. The Cruelty to Animals Brigade has now been on the warpath and um, Don doesn't disagree, but why has it taken so long to come to this conclusion? Because he remembers having a donkey ride 70 years ago, like I do. And also, I mean, the donkeys are carrying kids. They're not like the donkeys here in Spain where you've got uh, some massive uh, load on the back of a donkey walking up a hill there are some donkey sanctuaries here and you can see the donkeys are awfully badly treated Don then told me about a place in Wales called Beth Gellert or Beth Gellert I think he told me and it's a ballad that uh, is all about a um, a dog that served his master well and then one day the master came back and was mistakenly thinking that his dog had killed his son rather than the dog defending his um, master. So what I'm going to do quickly, I'm going to play Don's track 
Um, I wish Dom was here to tell you about it himself, but sadly we can't do that this morning. Um, and then I'll look back to roughly, well, I'll pick a year and I'll see what I've got that Don maybe can tell us about um, over the years gone by. Let me play you first. The At the turn of the 13th century in the northern part of Wales, where nature spreads its splendour everywhere, a prince known as Llewellyn had a palace where he lived, with his princess and his precious son and heir. Hunting was his favourite sport, and he did it well, in the vales and forests of the countryside. And at the foot of Snowdon, through the pleasant summer months, in a lodge he would occasionally reside. Of all his many hunting dogs, not one could quite compare with Gellert, both in courage or in pace. A friend of all the family, affectionately described as a lamb at home, a lion in the chase. One day the prince and princess went out hunting in the hills, along with all the dogs they proudly kept. They left a servant and a maid to care for and protect their baby son who in his cradle slept. This man and woman proved to be unworthy of their trust and wandered off together on their own. They never gave a thought to their responsibility and left the baby sleeping all alone. Meanwhile, the hunt raged far and wide. The horn was often heard, but as the hours ticked quietly away, a worried prince looked round and noticed something was amiss and to himself said, Gellert's gone astray. He knew the dog could not be lost, it knew the lamb too well, and must have turned around and gone back home. But why would this brave dog who loved the hunt do such a thing? It must have had a reason of its own. So puzzled was the prince, he called an ending to the chase. He knew this was the only thing to do. And swiftly they retraced their steps across the rolling hills until the hunting lodge came into view. Llewellyn on approaching saw the door was open wide and in the doorway faithful Gellert stood. With wagging tail the dog ran up to lick his master's hand but Gellert's head and coat was stained with blood. The princess screamed and ran to where their tiny son was left. She stood in horror and began to weep. The cradle had been overturned with no sign of the child. The blood-stained sheets were piled up in a heap. Llewellyn, filled with furious grief, turned round to face the dog were taken, as he thought, his only son. Gellert's tail was wagging still. The prince looked in its eyes and said, You evil dog, what have you done? Llewellyn drew his sword in rage and walked towards the dog, which seemed to know its life was soon to end, and with a vicious thrust he plunged a glistening rod of steel through the heart of once his greatest friend. Gellert gave a dying yell, but like an echo came, familiar cry the prince had heard before and there beneath the cradle was the tiny infant boy lying unharmed on the bedroom floor Llewellyn then pulled back the sheets and there before his eyes the body of a mighty wolf he saw realizing that his faithful dog had saved the child he cried as he had never cried before he vowed the memory of his dog would live forevermore a memory which of time has stood the test. For in a nearby meadow, in a grave he marked with stones, he finally laid his dearest friend to rest. 
And now a village marks the spot of Gellert's lonely grave, named in honor of the faithful hound. Bath Gellert means the grave of Gellert, and for passers-by, a monumental headstone can be found. So if you're ever close at hand in this delightful spot, spare a moment's silence for the brave. And you can add your name to all the many through the years who have dropped a tear on faithful Gellert's grave. Ballad of Beth Gellert. It's Saturday morning and that means it's time to have a look at Don's song for this week. On the up of the lads I'll state our case And put all you women in your place You haven't got a clue what we sacrifice for you So on behalf of the lads I'll put you straight you and let you have our children. We let you wash your socks and cook our food. We don't get in the way while you were lining, but we never see an ounce of gratitude. We keep away while you wash up the dishes. Hey, we don't mind if you have all the fun. Okay, sometimes we may nod off in the armchair. But only while you get the housework done So on behalf of the lads I'll state our case And put all you women in your place You haven't got a clue what we sacrificed for you So on behalf of the lads I'll put you straight We understand if you don't want to go out And we have to go and find some lonely bar have your wicked way of bedtime You don't know just how fortunate you are And when we take a deck chair in the garden And find ourselves a sunny little space We don't complain when you hang out the washing Even though the sheets blow in our face So on behalf of the lads I'll state our case And put all you women Place. You haven't got a clue what we sacrifice for you So on behalf of the lads I'll put you straight And when you switch the hoover on each morning And you wake us up, we never moan And we know how much you like the dusting That's why we let you do it on your own We never interfere when you go shopping after all, that's what you're paid to do. So we play golf or watch a game of football. But really, we would rather be you. So on behalf of the lads, I'll state our case. And put a new women in your place. You haven't got a clue what we sacrifice for you. So on behalf of the lads, I'll put you straight. So without any further ado, let me get dialing and... Uh, Hello. 
Good morning, Don. How are you? I'm gorgeous. <laughs> well, I tell you, I, I well, when I woke up this morning and I thought, uh, watching the news, Don is going to be absolutely chuffed, <laughs> thrilled I to know, bits. I know what you're going to say. Don't start me. <laughs> <laughs> Could it have happened to two nicer young men? <laughs> well, I thought at least, well, and and Deck have given their OBEs. At least while they're doing that, they won't be on the telly. So we'll get a bit of a break from them. So it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, Sir Rod Stewart. I give up, really. I despair. <laughs> There's no hope, is there? Well, I, you know, I said to Anne, look, uh, by all means, I I think, you know, for the individuals concerned, it's very nice, etc., etc. Yeah. But, I mean... Where, where are we going with these gongs? I mean, you, you know, it used to be for somebody who did something absolutely special, shall we say. Yeah. And it seems to have strayed uh, um, a, a long way from that particular path, doesn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, these people, they're in it. And they're making money. That's why they're there. It's a job. They're doing their job. It's as simple as that, you know, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, you look back at it, uh, say Jimmy Savile, you know, the, the, the thing, they, they're just giving out willy-nilly by all, all accounts, as far as I can see. And the other fellow, um, you know, the, the Australian fellow, you know, they're just doing a job. Say Rob's just doing a job. He's just doing his plumbing. He's getting paid and he makes a comeback because he's running out of money. Simple as that, you know. And it's, oh, it's, I mean, I can't stand the bloke personally. I mean, I know he's very popular, and I know he's, he, I know he's, he, he's great in his way. But I'm not a fan. I just can't stand him. <laughs> and uh, and from that, they're just they're just making money and overfished. You know, they're not doing anything, all that we know about. You know, they're not like putting their time in for charity and all this and making loads of money for. Well, I mean, you could really take privileged kids, as far as I can see. You, you could take anybody that's that's doing uh, shows for other people, which. I think most people in show business at some time, we've all done, you know, th lots of things for, for people to raise money to help other underprivileged people. So I really find it strange. But never mind. L let's go to your song this week, which is the ultimate chauvinist song. So that would not get you a gong for, for starters. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> get me arrested. Uh, yeah, this was uh, a tongue-in-cheek job. I did it a long time ago. And it's called On Behalf of the Lads. They used to have a comedian, I don't know if you remember him, Tom Pepper. I don't know if you remember him. He was on telly a lot. He and, worked at the uh, She he, Club, he, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, and, and he did the comedians. He, he, was, he, was, he was good. But, but his gimmick was to just rip women to pieces, you know, and, and you know, in a, in a tongue-in-cheek sort of way. And he used to go with women in the audience booing him, you know. So I did this song for him uh, on behalf of the lads, you know, we marry you and let you have our children and what more do you want, you know. And it, and it went down great, this. it was really funny. And uh, he, he actually recorded it, he did it on a, on a, a cassette album, uh, which I have and I've got it somewhere, but I don't know what happened to it. And he used to do a double act with Pauline Daniels and she'd answer him back. You know, to the delight of the females in the audience, it was great. You know, all good stuff, all good fun. But of course, you can't do that now because you've got the sort of do good as you'll come out of the Ooh, sexist. But it was a, it was a good laugh, and he got a lot of mileage out of it, which was good. And he was on television quite a bit. But 
As I say, I haven't heard about him for years. I don't know what happened to him. Um, mm. You know, he just sort of seemed to vanish after... after I mean, a lot of them come over to Benidorm, but he hasn't come over here, that's for sure. Yeah, it's gone back a while. It's, you know, it's a long time ago. So I used to write stuff for Pauline Daniels as well. But, uh, yeah, on behalf of the lads, yeah, it was it was good. And <laughs> as I say, it's a shame, because it was clean comedy, you know, that he, he didn't swear. It was clean comedy. It was yes. just tongue-in-cheek. And... You know, as I say, that's probably why he's vanished, because he was so sexist, but in a funny sort of way, you know, he yeah. used to be great. Yeah. The women used to howl, he was so funny, you know, but uh, that was that. Well, talking about going out of fashion, we're actually going into fashion now, um, because you obviously, with, with an eye for fashion in mind, uh, were looking at the French Open. Yeah, I thought it was uh, <laughs> Andy Murray. Um, yeah, now... I I enjoy tennis. I used to play tennis a lot, and, and I enjoy tennis. And as I say, you've got to play tennis to realise how good these fellows are. You know, when you're world class, it's a different different game, and you've got to think about it. You've not only got to hit the ball well, you've got to hit it in. You know, it, it's it, it and very very demanding on on the, on the physical physically and mentally. And I enjoyed the game, and Andy was beaten, well beaten by Djokovic, but. I don't know who tells Andy how to dress. I mean, he looks like a—he looks like he's just stepped out of the, off the street. You know, his black socks and trainers looked like a pair of Wellingtons. And then I don't know where he bought those shorts, but I think they were cast off from the Army and Navy shorts. He just <laughs> looked a mess. You know, I mean, you're on the world stage, Andy. Get it right, mate. Look, you know, do the business. You have the charisma. You need you need that as well. Djokovic looked fantastic, as always, but he just looked a mess. And he didn't know who advises him. I think his missus should have a word with him. <laughs> there you go. It's funny because you know we obviously think quite alike on many ways. Um, we saw this, and I have to say, the first thing I said to Anne was, "He looks absolutely awful." You know, yeah. it, I mean, I mean, really, um, you've got a, a classic example there of somebody who obviously is good in, you know, in one thing, um, but uh, on the other, just probably, does anybody ever tell him, I wonder, you know? Yeah, well, I don't think you can tell him anything, can you? I think he's one of those guys who's got, who's got his own mind. I don't think you can tell him anything, um, you know, which is fine. You know, as I say, he comes on, he's unshaven, and, but, like... Yeah. This is this is world class tennis, you know, and and he, he's no personality in any case, which he admits himself. But I think you know you've got to look the part. Tennis, I think it should be all whites as it used to be, you know, and because it looks good and, and you know as a as a spectator sport, you don't want to be looking at a pair of old shorts, you know, and and old trainers. It, look, it just looked like a pair of Wellingtons, you know, with black, black socks and black trainers. It's, you know, maybe it's me, I don't know. Maybe I no, don't know. I, I totally agree with you because I looked at it and I thought it makes him look drab. Uh, but, but yeah. you know, the same guy could be well criticised if he did maybe come out wearing something really nice because um, it doesn't matter what people do these days, there will always be somebody that takes a, a, a view which is probably different, you know. Yeah, yeah. As I say, you know, uh, it, it doesn't matter. But when he's getting beaten, it, 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 it doesn't help. You know, I mean, if I was if I was him, 
I'd have my own trainers, and you know, you'd look the business. Even if you got beaten, you'd look the business. And he just looks like, I mean, the guy is a great tennis player. He's great. You know, if it wasn't for Djokovic, he'd be the best in the world. It's just that there's always someone in his way, you know, and it just happens to be Djokovic who is exceptional. You know, he's the best, probably the best it's ever been. He's fantastic, you know, and and. Uh, but it was just just a, an observation. He just looked this looked a mess. I'm afraid. He, he is. I'm, he I'm is. No, I'm no fashion icon, blimey. Nobody's more scruffy than me. But you know, at least I'm not <laughs> on the world stage. You know. But it, but he is. Um, he is an exceptional player. Uh, when when you when you're getting to the top of your game and you keep com- coming up against somebody as good as Djokovic, uh, it must be very very frustrating. Because I thought it was a tremendous match, and I mean, he always gives him a good hard game, doesn't he? Are you there, Don? Okay, well, we've lost the line, so I'm just going to quickly put a pause on this for a second. Well, it was funny you just went, and um, yeah, we've got you back. Yeah, Mind you, we do... funny voice, squeaky voice. Uh, we have people working on the telephone lines down the road. It could be connected to that. Ah, right. Okay, now look, I've got two songs which I'm going to try and just get a little bit of sound into. So the first one uh, will be George Harrison's My Sweet Lord. Um, yeah. Because basically, I thought it'd be quite nice to do this um, to actually get a, a, a sound, th- and then we'll see whether or not we think it sounds like the song that he was accused of plagiarising. So, um, if we're lucky enough to get the song coming up, um, here we go. I don't know if you'll hear it at your end, but I've got it playing out here. Yeah. So, this was George Harrison and My Sweet Lord. Okay, now then, there was a song which was by the Chiffons, which was called You're So Fine, or He's So Fine, yeah. wasn't it, actually? He's so uh, fine, which yeah. he was supposed to have copied. So we'll have a, a little listen to that one, if I can get this one to play. Okay, so uh, we'll take those down and then we'll discuss what it's all about because uh, I remember when this one uh, was all in the courts and everything and I felt as a disc jockey listening to these that really I was very surprised that they managed to uh, got the get the claim and, and put a fine on George Harrison. Um, yeah, yeah. He got done. He actually got prosecuted. He had to pay the royalties over. It's, I mean... It's got to be intention, in my opinion. You know, I mean, he's so fine, the chiffons. It was the do lang, do lang. It was that bit that, that made the song. It was a doo-wop song. And it, the chord changes are in, in loads of songs. You know, that, that, that chord change where he goes from one, to, one set of chords to the other. It's in loads of songs. You know, you've got... Um, uh, a very good friend came by today. That one by Elvis. Oh uh, yeah, uh, Anne Marie is the name. You know that that co- constant chord change. It's in loads of songs. You know, and, and I thought he got a rough deal, George, on that one because he, he 
I think he, he did the song, but uh, he definitely, it's whether you've actually sat down and listened to the chiffons and copied that, which he hadn't done. I, I very much doubt which he, he hadn't done, you know. Yeah. And uh, I thought he got a rough deal on it. And as I say, there's this $20 million claim um, on uh, Ed Sheeran, whose song's just gone into the charts and it's, it's made millions. But you see, as they say, where there's a hit, there's a writ. You know, these, these uh, solicitors are the winners in the end. They're the ones making all the money to come from under their stones, you know. I hadn't and heard about this particular one. Uh, do, yeah, do, do, do you know the name of the song? Uh, no, I've I, I, I heard a bit of it. Um, it's similar again, but uh, they reckon, you know, he, this guy, Matt Cardle, had a hit last year, which got about number 82 in the charts. He did nothing. And um, Ed Sheeran's done his song, the latest one, I can't think of the title. And it's, it's, it's made, it, it, it was a hit, and then it's gone in a film, and it's made something like $20 million or something. And uh, they want they, they want to sue him for all this and, and for future royalties. You know, it, it's it's pathetic. And I'm telling you, the, the the legal boys will get the money. You know, as always. You know, the the, the low life. And um, there you go. But there's there's been others, as I say, in in the sixties. I thought Roy Wood got away with it with a, a song called Angel Fingers. Um, it was very similar to in a babbling book, even the words were angel fingers, angel fingers, that's when I fell in love with you. In a shady note, by a babbling brook, wait for it, that's when I fell in love with you. It's even words, but uh, it got away with that. I mean, the, the classic, I thought, was um, Kisses for Me by the dreadful Brotherhood of Man. I think the awful Brotherhood of Man. The original Brotherhood of Man was great, but the, that, those four dancing around... Uh, doing kisses for me at the Eurovision. I mean, it's, they're exactly the same chords as tie a yellow ribbon around the old old tree, exactly the same. And uh, I used to play the two when we were in the band. And I used to say, you know, I used to start off with tie a yellow ribbon and go into kisses for me. And at the end, I used to ask people, did you notice the join? <laughs> same chords exactly. I've, I've got that Roy Wood song. Let's, let's have a quick listen to that one. Yeah. Okay, so here it goes. Uh, Angel Fingers, this was called, with Roy Wood. Yeah. Well, in actual fact, that is sounding, it sounded like he's singing in the toilets, so uh, yeah, it, it yeah. doesn't really sound very good anyway. Um, I can't, it's a long time ago, as I say, I just remember, I can't hear what you're playing there. Okay, it's a pity that. What was the other one that you think it sounded like? Uh, in a babbling brook. In a babbling brook. By a shady... Oh yeah, and who was that by? Oh, um, one of them old stars. Uh, crikey, I can't remember his name. It was it was a big big name back in the early fifties. Okay, I've just I, I've just put that into. Hey, uh, we've got. Uh, uh, <laughs> I tell you what's come up actually. Uh, two hours of babbling brook. 
<laughs> I don't think we'll want That's to really hear that one, will we? No, no, definitely not. Okay, well, we'll 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 have a laugh at it and then move on. Okay, well, it's interesting that, and uh, you know, I can't really comment on the Ed Sheeran song because I don't know it. Um, no, but I do no. I do remember the um, George Harrison case, and I felt at the time that this isn't right. I felt that the song didn't really reflect the same mood or anything, you know. Yeah. Well, I think you should stumble, actually. Roy Wood, I always thought he nicked bits of songs, like indeed there's Jacqueline. He nicks bit like a ding, 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 ding. That one he did, which is my, when my little girl is smiling, he nicked that bit. Right. But you're allowed, I think you're allowed uh, eight bars of something before, you know, you start to copy it. But Jeff Lynn's very clever. He, he pinches old bits of songs. Yeah. And, uh, so when you're listening, you think, oh, I've heard that before somewhere, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's great. It's very interesting. But, as I say, you know, the winners in the end of the legal profession, you know. They, I've got to also win. ask you about why you disliked... Um uh, the Brotherhood of Man, because of course Tony Hiller is my friend, the the, the man yeah. that wrote that song and put the group together. Um, I mean, yeah. I, di I didn't uh, dislike the song. I've got to say, I mean, I liked that that song. Yeah, uh, well, it's just a matter of taste, you know. I thought I thought the original Brotherhood of Man that did United We Stand. Well, of course, he 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 formed that as well. Was he in it? No, he wasn't in it. He 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 wrote the songs. Uh, he wrote all the songs, United We Stand, uh, Figaro, oh, was, you know, all, all those songs, Save Your Kisses For Me. Um, lovely well, man, by the Figaro, way. Well, Figaro, the Brotherhood of Man were like a, 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 like a poor version of ABBA, weren't they? they? They copied ABBA. You know, they weren't original, in my opinion. It was all ABBA-esque, <laughs> all the stuff they did. Um, I mean, the songs were all right. Yeah, I just didn't like them particularly, you know. And I thought... Um, uh, the original Brotherhood of Man with um, Tony, whatever his name is, and Sue and Sonny, it was a different band. That United We Stand was great, you know. Yeah. But uh, I didn't like um, Kisses for Me. It was well, it was all it was all Tony Hiller's project anyway. So um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, great Tony Hiller, brilliant, isn't he? I mean, brilliant <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's look at this uh, Rod Gilbert next, because I, I do like this guy, by the way. Very yeah. funny man. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he, and he, he's, he's making a good name for himself. Have you seen this programme? Um, no, I've not seen this one, so I'm interested in it. You have to watch this. You, it is an absolute must for you to watch. It started last week, so if you can get it on demand or, or catch up, watch it. And it's on again tonight right. at 9 o'clock. BBC Four. Make sure you, if you're out, make sure you you record it. Okay. It goes up and down the country with a guest mus musician. Last week, he was with mid -Yore. and they go up and down um, Belfast and up to Scotland and, and down to Devon, looking at these part-time bands, and they, they want to pick the best six and put them on, on the show at the end, and they pick two out of that to go to the final well it's an absolute hoot you've got guys here who've been playing for 50 odd years together you know and they're and they're great it's all in it's all in good uh, good taste you know yeah <laughs> we've been playing for 30 years with no success whatsoever you know it was great and uh, one band actually backed i think status quo or somebody back in the day and he said they haven't played since and he just started off again you <laughs> know i mean it's great there's seven of them and then they put them on this show at the end, 
and, and give them a chance, you know, which is wonderful because they're getting the exposure on the telly, which will do them an awful lot of good. You know, there's no talentless judges, there's no prize at the end of it. They just get this exposure and the, they go through to the final, the winning two. It's great, you know, and there's a lot of talent, you know, there's a lot of talents, a lot of talented musicians, and they're sort of re, refinding themselves, you know, a lot of them are playing for nothing, you know, it's really worth watching, you, you'd love it, it is so funny. Oh, I look forward to this one. You know, I, I did look at the, uh, the Royal um, skit that was absolutely dreadful, so, uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing that one. Hopefully, Rob Gilbert's really funny. He is a funny man. I love his sketch with the with the handle. So it's one yeah, of his really good right. sketches. Yeah. But I, and also the one about the sandwich on the train. Uh, the, that's right. Yeah. Excellent. And he's not a musician either, which makes it funny. Yeah. Mid years, sort of advising him. You know, it's, it's honestly, it's brilliant. It's really worth watching. And my wife thoroughly enjoyed it as well. And she can't stand rock and roll. She can't stand anything to do with it at all. <laughs> but. Uh, it's great, you know. Okay, well, look, this might fit nicely with the last um, point, which is basically when people maybe could have been chosen better to present something. So um, this is Rory Bremner visiting various parts of Britain, isn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, of course, it, it was, we have a thing that records programmes that we might be interested in. And uh, every time Beatles are mentioned on a program it records it for me on the thing not that i'm particularly want the stuff but i watched this out of interest it was called rory bremner's visits visits views of britain and um, on this one it was liverpool so i thought oh well, i'll watch it you know it's a place we know and, and love and um he went to the waterfront which was great you know and showed the, the three graces and up the cathedral to the top which is fantastic if you've ever, never been up there, it's fantastic, top of the cathedral. If next time you come, go up if you haven't been, it's well worth it. Okay. And then, um, off we go then, of course, you can't leave without the world-famous Cavern Club. And they had this fellow there saying, you oh, this is it, this is where the Beatles played and all that. But, you know, it isn't. It was down the road, you know, and he said it was, it was knocked down, but it was rebuilt brick by brick. You know, it's all <laughs> bull. Anyway... Uh, which is fine, you know, whatever sells, I suppose, kid people on. Uh, anyway, at the end of the thing, he said, do you want to play the drums? He got a drum kit on the stage. <clears throat> so Rory, who doesn't play the drums, gets on, clattered about a bit. And then he said, the fellow said, we'll take you outside now and inspect the Wall of Fame. And there's bricks on there with everybody's name on that's played at the cavern. And now... He said, but you've got one, so there's a brick there with a Rory Bremner on it. I oh. mean, this just about sums it all up, you know. It's, it's, I mean, it's great for the uh, tourists and all that, but when you're here, you know, it really does great in the end. You know, you, you've, you've had enough of it already. Well, there's a couple of things really there, Don, um, because basically, uh, like everybody else, you know, I, I went to the cavern as a youngster, and then because... I knew things had changed, uh, and the last uh, couple of times I've come back, I've gone to see what Liverpool's been developing like. And yeah. um, like yourself, it, it is a bit frustrating when you have to try and explain to people that it wasn't the cavern. But I think now is the time to maybe make reference to the fact that I thought Liverpool Council were so slow in the way that they didn't see the opportunity that existed to create something 
um, which would commemorate that period of time in that particular yeah. location that it existed in. Yeah, well, where it was, uh, they, they have a, a they have a building where it was, and they do say this this was the original cavern. It's like a shop with um, statues of the Beatles down below. It's it's still there, the actual place, but it's not a club anymore. You know, it's not like the, the, the one up the road is like it used to be. They've, they've redone it like it used to be. Well, I've, I've been in it, Don, so I, I do know that it, it, it does look and have a feel of the cavern, but, you know, it's still a little bit annoying to think that the Liverpool Council didn't see that it should have been preserved at the time that you know they decided uh, that they didn't didn't they knock it down at one time the uh, the actual yeah they knocked it. it was car park for a while yeah and uh, you know it was this so uh, you know there's more to Liverpool than the Beatles well they, 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 you know they were wrong you know because now that's what sells the place really I mean when you live around here you just get sick of it all you know in fact that there's a there's a website a Beatle free zone <laughs> yeah I, I know that one I know I know some of the personalities <laughs> on it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's give itself, it's great if it's making money, but there's no need to, to kid people, you know. If you're going to, you know, you should make it clear that the you know, big arrow, the cavern, the original cavern was down there, you know, that you're all the Japanese taking photographs of this one, and it's not it, you know. But I think, but, they, they, know, I think they've all got themselves a little slightly confused anyway, because the Beatles were only part of, of, of the whole thing. I mean, by all means... You have to acknowledge the fact that they were the biggest thing that came from it. Um, but, I mean, there were so many groups that used to play there that the bricks reflect that point. That really, yeah. you know, it's not just about the Beatles. Y you know, um, maybe it's time to start digging out a few old photos and, and, and make more of the fact that everybody knew there were other groups, you know. Yeah, I think, um, you, you know, it's, it's, it's one of them. See, Mersey Beach, it only lasted about five years. People forget, you know, it, it, yeah. in the 70s, it was gone. It was nothing, you know. As I say, I went to the uh, Al Allenson's Theatre Club and saw Bill Haley and the Comets, and there's only about half a dozen people in. You know, <laughs> it was over, you know, and it, yes. and it sort of came, it all came back again in the 90s, and people are sort of, you get all these people now coming out of the woodwork, oh, I was in such and such a band, you know, the egos. Uh, flow up and you know it, it, it was only about five years nobody made any money or very much it's only about half a dozen groups made any money out of it all, you know? but they were special days when, when i mean i remember oh, yeah. as a kid of 16 um going out uh, virtually every night to either the iron door iron door or the cavern um uh, and then there were other places around the whole area i mean on the whittle um, uh, John Stanley's place, the Golden Guinea. You know, the, when that yeah. was the uh, the crawl, that was fantastic, yeah. wasn't it? It was great. Yeah, the groups are fantastic. You know, it was a great time, and, and we were very privileged to have lived through it. You know, and, and I played. You know, I played in the group in, in, in group. So, you know, it, it was nice to do that. But you know, it, it, they, they sort of they're living in the past. A lot of people these days. That's the trouble. You know, I think we should move on. And, and keep the memory going, but, you know, perhaps move on with all you know, this, you know, this Beatles, this Beatles, that, you know, and every time you, you look at BBC Four, these programmes, you see the same one, they're running out of the car and into the station with all the girls chasing them, you know. <coughs> let's, have a, let's have a change. So the ultimate in probably a, a nightmare for you would be a programme introduced by Anton Deck, is it CBE? Um, <laughs> with Andy Murray there with his shorts on, 
and some of the old Liverpool bands b- being recreated specially for the event. <laughs> well, I would be very deeply offended because you call it a CB and it's an OBU. Oh, an OBU, is it? Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, Don, well, look, I'll bang your track in on the end of this again uh, to uh, make you the ultimate in male chauvinism once again. Yeah, it's not me. I'm singing it. I did it for Tom Pepper. I don't, <laughs> I don't want any, any complaints or any arrests. <laughs> All right, Don. So um, look forward to speaking next week. Yeah, great to hear from you, mate, as always. Lovely, Don. See, see you speak next week. On the up of the lads, I'll state our case And put all you women in your place You haven't got a clue what we sacrifice for you So on behalf of the lads, I'll put you straight you and let you have our children. We let you wash our socks and cook our food. We don't get in the way while you were lining, but we never see an ounce of gratitude. We keep away while you wash up the dishes. Hey, we don't mind if you have all the fun. Okay, sometimes we may nod off in the armchair. But only while you get the housework done So on behalf of the lads I'll state our case And put all you women in your place You haven't got a clue what we sacrificed for you So on behalf of the lads I'll put you straight We understand if you don't want to go out And we have to go and find some lonely bar you have your wicked way of bedtime You don't know just how fortunate you are And when we take a deck chair in the garden And find ourselves a sunny little space We don't complain when you hang out the washing Even though the sheets blow in our face So on behalf of the lads I'll state our case And put all you Place. You haven't got a clue what we sacrifice for you So on behalf of the lads I'll put you straight And when you switch the hoover on each morning And you wake us up, we never moan And we know how much you like the dusting That's why we let you do it on your own We never interfere when you go shopping after all, that's what you're paid to do. So we play golf or watch a game of football. But really, we would rather be with you. So on behalf of the lads, I'll state our case. And put on you women in your place. You haven't got a clue what we sacrifice for you. So on behalf of the lads, I'll put you straight. Straight. On behalf of the lads, I'll put you straight.